The first missionaries suffered a lot of unfair abuse. Once, Paul and Silas were even locked up in a Greek jail. Their response was surprising. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. They're praying and they're singing. Now, what would you have been doing? I mean, you would have been licking your wounds and cussing the jailer and some of you would have been mad at God. Well, God thanks a lot. Here we are trying to be faithful missionaries and look at the way you treat us. They were singing. I wonder what they were singing. Were they singing, it is well with my soul? Were they singing, blessed be the name of the Lord, you give and take away, blessed be your name? Or maybe they were singing jailbreak. Don't you think they were singing jailbreak? I'm just thinking they were singing jailbreak. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. You know, it's easy to praise God and thank Him when things are going smoothly. But what really makes others sit up and take notice is how we respond when the going gets tough. Think about the doors that might open when others see the way that you go through suffering. Well, today, Pastor Trent explains that open eyes look for open doors. Here's Pastor Trent. I have my Bible open to Acts chapter 16. We're going to see another narrative here. We're going to meet another character in the story. This is the final message in the series, Lift Up Your Eyes. So as we lift up our eyes, we're learning that our first responsibility is to lift up our eyes vertically because that's where our help comes from. Get your eyes off your finances and your problems and the hurricanes and whatever disaster you're going through and lift up your eyes. That's where the Lord tells us the help comes from. But then secondly, once we get our eyes on the Lord, we learn that we are to lift up our eyes and get our eyes on the Lord's work because vertical eyes open missional eyes. All that God is doing in the world to save sinners, He invites us into that. So we are to be missionaries who are missional, adopting the daily posture of a missionary. Are you a missionary? Yes. If you're not a missionary, you're the mission. And the missionaries are coming after you. And we have a message, it's called the gospel. We live in view with eyes wide open to the unfinished task of the great commission to get the gospel right and then to get the gospel out. That is our job. Jesus referred to our job in John 4, 35, and he used an illustration there. He said, lift up your eyes because the fields are white for harvest. So how many of you understand he was not talking about agriculture there? He was talking about our mission is to get the gospel out. But he uses this illustration. It's very important for a missionary to understand something about fruit. If you're going to be a harvester of fruit, you have to be discerning in when the right time is to pick the fruit. Do you know which state produces the most fruit in the United States? 
Michigan. Like, I, it's like, isn't it like frozen like eight, nine months out of the year? How do you get fruit out of a state like that? But apparently that's where you grow a lot of fruit. And there are opportunities to harvest in Michigan. It's right seasons of the year. There's opportunities for us to harvest everywhere we go every day. But you got to know something about the fruit. Now, how many of you like the taste of a green sour apple? Why? I do not get it. I've never had a bite of a green apple I liked, but some people actually like this. But you understand that there are some green apples that are ready to to, to harvest and to eat. That's not what we're talking about here this morning, because the the kind of apple that really God intended for us to eat is actually um, (laughs) red apples, okay? And uh, red apples, I mean, how many of you like the taste of a red apple? Now now we've got agreement there. So before the red apple becomes a red apple, what is it first? It's a green apple, right? And so you do not want to pick the green apple before it turns red. Jesus said you have to know something about the harvest. So as we share the gospel, as we go and communicate the good news of Jesus Christ with others, how many of you have ever attempted that? You've gulped real hard and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open up this conversation to a conversation about the gospel and Jesus Christ, and I might even mention sin, and you were met with some resistance. How many of you were met even with like, a punch in the face or an insult. And how could you be so rude and so insulting and you're so narrow in your thinking? And you know what you're talking to? You're talking to a green apple. Now, listen, we like to say around here, if you can't pick the apple, please don't bruise it. You see, once you realize that you are getting resistance, the posture you're to take is patience. Wait for the Lord to ripen the apple. The proper posture is not to take out your Bible and then to begin to beat the apple. That does not ripen the apple at all. It just bruises the apple. You have to wait for the Lord to ripen the apple. And sometimes it takes a little time. How many of you remember when you were a green apple? I mean, you didn't like people calling you a dirty, rotten sinner. How many of you still don't really like that? You're a green apple. So we're trying to ripen your apple a little bit here. But you you were resistant to the truth of the good news of Jesus. You were resistant to the fact that you needed a Savior and you were on your way to hell and you needed something to divert God's wrath. And all of those things are very hard to believe until God ripens your apple. Now, how many of you could identify some things that the Lord used over time to make you aware of your need of Jesus? And some of those things, maybe not so pleasant. And maybe God used some of the struggle to make you more accepting of the fact that you weren't God and you needed a Savior. So that's what the Lord does. And so if we're to harvest this field, we have to know something about discerning the color of the fruit. Now, as we get into Acts chapter 16, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. How many of you were in church last week and remember all the points and could share the illustrations and preach the message. No. So let me give you a little review. If you remember, we looked at two characters in the story. The first of them was a rich girl. Remember the rich girl? And so as we're harvesting and we're out there sharing seed, we're going to run into some rich girls. What was her name? 
Lydia, remember Lydia had everything going for her. She was a seller of purple and she probably looked like a model and, uh, and she was religious, but the Lord had not yet opened her heart to receive Jesus. And so God sent these missionaries and she responded and God ripened that apple. And it was, that was like low hanging fruit. I mean, just all, they just had to show up and share the gospel and she repented and believed. That's a wonderful example of how the Lord uses a missionary to get the gospel to someone who needs to be saved. Now, we met another girl last week, and uh, she was not a rich girl. She was a poor girl. And what was her name? Now, it's amazing. More of you remember the name Linda than remember the name Lydia, and that's not even her name. We just made that up. So quit saying her name was Linda. Who gave you that idea? Um, No, we played around with that. We nicknamed her Linda. We don't know her name, but we we named her Linda just so we could refer to her. And she really was a a poor girl. She was enslaved. She was owned. She was being used to make money. She was filled with a demon spirit, and she could tell the future. But she was really annoying. Remember that? It even tells us that in the story. And, And... God used these missionaries to ripen that apple and get her to a better place, and she received Christ. So we've seen the rich girl, Lydia. We've seen the poor girl, Linda. Guess who we're going to meet this week? We're going to meet Larry. Larry is the next one in the story, okay? Now, we, we don't know his name. We're going to nickname him Larry, but Larry is in the story. Here it is. We're, we're picking the story up in verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, the missionaries, and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. How many of you had a bad week? (laughs) Things not go so great? Anybody dragged through the mall on the way to jail? No, so I don't care what your week was like. It was not as bad as these guys. So these guys had a bad week. They're being dragged through the marketplace, falsely accused. Verse 20 says, And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. Now, can you just imagine Paul speaking up at that point and saying, Guilty as charged. As a matter of fact, I kind of see it as my job description as a missionary to create a little disturbance in the city. Now, I would like to suggest that that is our assignment from the Lord as a church, is to disturb the city. Granger, Mishawaka, South Bend, Niles Buchanan, Elkhart, Edwardsburg, Goshen, St. Joseph, all these, these areas here. Listen, if we're not creating some disturbance then we're not doing our job. Now, we're not going out there to try to annoy people, but we are trying to disturb the despair and in place of it, put hope. We are trying to disturb the darkness and into it shine light. That is our job. And if somehow Harvest Bible Chapel was wiped off the map, there should be something missing in this community. And so if we're doing a good job, we ought to be creating some disturbance. You ought to be creating some disturbance in your marketplace. You ought to be creating some disturbance on your team. You ought to be creating some disturbance in your schoolroom. Otherwise, you're just kind of going with the flow. So Paul and Silas, good job. Put it on the resume. They're disturbing the city. Verse 21. 
They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore their garments off, gave orders to beat them with rods. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering Larry, the jailer guy, to keep them safely. So can you imagine this guy? I mean, he's not there. He, I don't think he's really upset at Paul and Silas. He just showed up for work. Just doing his job. You got one job. You're a corrections officer. Keep the prisoners safe. In other words, don't let them escape. That's your one job. Now, can you imagine Larry showing up for work every day, getting dressed in the morning. He's putting on blue shirts, probably has name tag right there, Larry. And uh, he's got his lunch pail with him and he's just showing up to do his job. Just collecting a paycheck, just trying to put food on the table. We're going to find out later he had a wonderful family he needed to provide for. So he's just there doing his job. So he's told to keep them safe. And so that's why we read in the next verse, verse 24, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Why did he put them in stocks? That was his job. Just doing my job. You see, Larry's the kind of guy that might be invisible to you. If you're rich, you might not even notice Larry. If you're poor, you might never even come in contact with Larry unless you're a criminal. Now, it's interesting to note here that Paul and Silas never would have intersected Larry's life unless God sent them to prison. Did you know that there's some missionary work that can't get done unless missionaries are willing to pay a price to be bold enough to speak into the darkness? As you're looking for red apples and running into green apples, there's five people you need to be looking for. First of all, you need to look for someone who has had an encounter with an authentic Christian. Now, I want you to notice here, Paul and Silas, they're beaten, they're bruised, they're bloody. Their feet are in stocks. It's late at night. They're probably exhausted and that's where we pick up the story, beginning in verse 25. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were griping and complaining, <laughs> crying out to God to kill Larry, the prison jailer guy. Is that what your Bible says? That's, that's not what my Bible says either. What does the Bible say they were doing? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I wonder what they were praying. The Bible doesn't tell us what they were praying. It's all kinds of different prayers. They could have been praying that God would set them free. God, would you get us out of here? We've got so much missionary work to do, and there's so many people out there that need to hear the gospel. Could have been praying that. Or they could have been praying for people that needed to hear the gospel on the inside of that prison. They could have been praying for Larry the jailer guy, that God would set him free from the prison that he was in. And so maybe they were praying, maybe they were praying prayers of thanksgiving. 
God, thank you for sparing our life. The fact that we've been beaten and, and we're bloody and, and we, don't, we don't know if we're going to make it another day. But thank you for the, the opportunity to share the gospel. And we count it a privilege to be treated like Jesus was treated for sharing the message that Jesus shared. Maybe they were praying that. We don't know. The second thing that they were doing, if praying wasn't astonishingly enough, is they were singing. Now, what would you have been doing? I mean, you would have been licking your wounds and cussing the jailer, and some of you would have been mad at God. Well, God thanks a lot. Here we are trying to be faithful missionaries and look at the way you treat us. They were singing. I wonder what they were singing. Were they singing, it is well with my soul? Were they singing, blessed be the name of the Lord, 10,000 reasons you give and take away? Blessed be your name. Or maybe they were singing jailbreak. Don't you think they were singing jailbreak? I'm just thinking they were singing jailbreak. Do you know what those two things did in the middle of that prison? Number one, it gave Larry and the other prisoners an opportunity to watch a Christian suffer well. You see, if you're looking for someone out there who the Lord would send you to to open their hearts to the gospel, Many times their ears are closed to the gospel. It is impossible for them to trust Christ because it is very hard for them to trust a Christian because they've never met a Christian who acted like Christ, that endured suffering without complaining, that endured hard times without griping, without moaning and groaning that our religious liberties have been, have been violated, standing up for their rights. We don't deserve to be in here and to be expected to be treated better than everybody else. It's very hard for a green apple to trust Christ until he meets a Christian he can trust. And so all of a sudden, they had a new view. Here are these guys. They've been poorly treated. They've been beaten. And yet, listen to what they're doing. They're praying and they're singing. Look at what the next phrase says. And the prisoners were listening to them. So many times I overhear conversations of Christians and they're moaning and they're groaning and they're critical and they're complaining. They're upset about something that's happened to them. They're hacked off at an authority. They're asking for a better life. And I just want to walk up to them and say, shh, don't you understand? The prisoners are listening. You are giving them a picture of God and it's not the right picture. Shh. The prisoners are listening. And so if we're going to look for red apples, we need to look for people that have had an authentic encounter with an authentic Christian. And authentic Christians realize the prisoners 
are listening. Mom and dad, how do you talk to one another in your home? Do you realize your children are prisoners to their flesh and they're prisoners to their appetite? They're prisoners to sin. And they're listening to see if you have any hope at all, if you have a key to unlock the prison doors. Do you understand that in the marketplace, in the schoolroom, at that party, the way you're acting, the way you're singing, the words you're using are giving people an idea of what a relationship with God is like. And if you are not distinct... If you are not different, the prisoners have no chance of being set free because you are withholding the key to their freedom. Shh, prisoners, live in light and in view of the fact that the prisoners are listening to us and they are watching us. Let's give them a reason to believe that we are different because we suffer well. Here's the second thing. Look for someone whose foundations are being shaken. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now imagine if you're a prisoner in that cell. Imagine if you're Paul and Silas. Earthquake, foundations shaken, chains fall off, prison doors open, what would you do? Thank you, Jesus. I was praying that you would send an earthquake to set me free. And now I am putting on my Nikes and I am out of here. Didn't deserve to be here anyway. See ya. That's what most of us would be doing. That's not what Paul and Silas did. Why? Do you know what they did? You see, in in the previous verse, they lifted up their eyes vertically, but then those vertical eyes gave them missional eyes to the people around them, and they had a heart for the jailer. They had a heart for the prisoners. They realized the prisoners were listening. They said, hey, what if... This earthquake was not sent to set us free. What if the earthquake was sent to set Larry free? Maybe the chains and the bondage of sin and the prison of sin that he's in, maybe the Lord's doing something to get his attention. Look for someone whose foundations are being shaken. I mean, think about it. When you were a green apple... Did the Lord use an earthquake financially, relationally, occupationally, a health earthquake to ripen your apple and get you to see how needy you were for the gospel? You know who the hardest people are to actually believe the gospel? It's the people whose lives are the most steady, the most secure, and the most stable. And I'm looking into some of the eyes of people that I just described. It's very hard for you to believe you need to be set free from a prison because things are going so well for you. 
And it's hard for people that we love when things are going well for us to get them to understand even though temporarily you are doing great, eternally you are in trouble. And sometimes the Lord has to send an earthquake and shake those foundations of steady, secure, stable people before they open their eyes to see they actually need a Savior. That was the case of Larry. Larry showed up for work every day. He's collecting a paycheck. He's got a great family. He, everything's going great. Just average guy. Just doing my job. Just doing my job. Just doing my job. But then the Lord sends an earthquake. And he understands that God is trying to get his attention. Look for someone whose foundations are shaken. Look for someone, number three, who thinks he's out of options. Look here at verse 27. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he said, uh-oh. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. You see, you have to understand the punishment for a jailer not keeping the prisoners in jail that was not a fireable offense. That was an executable offense. I mean, not only was his job done, his life was done. It was over. He was going to be executed in the morning if all of those prisoners were not there by the time the sun rose. And so all of a sudden, this guy who had a very stable, steady, secure life and occupation is ready to kill himself because he thinks he's out of options. Now, I want you to notice here, he wasn't out of options, and what he assumed was not true. If you ever meet somebody, or maybe you have even thought about killing yourself, it is probably because you are assuming some things that are not true. I mean, your view is off. What you think is reality is not reality. You think you're out of options, but you're not. And that was the case for Larry. If he had just, he might have killed himself and the prisoners would woke up in the morning, they're still in jail. It would have been a useless act. It's always a useless act to kill yourself. But in his case, what he believed was not actually true. And if you're there and, and you feel so dark and you're in a place of loneliness and hopeless and you think you're out of options, you're not out of options. It's just that you haven't seen correctly what the Lord is trying to do to get you to a better place. And we need to cut into this message from Pastor Trent Griffith right here. We'll hear the rest of it next week. You know, one thing that impresses me is the way that even in the midst of some difficult and scary circumstances, Paul and Silas were still on the lookout for people in need of Jesus. They could have complained. They could have retreated into silent passivity. But instead, their eyes were open for people ready for the gospel. And what a great model for us to follow as well. Well, worship services at Harvest Bible Chapel don't usually include earthquakes, but we do a fair amount of heartfelt singing and praying. And if you're interested in visiting Harvest Bible Chapel for a worship service, the first step is deciding when and where to come. For that, just visit harvestgranger.org. Click where you see Worship With Us. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. And be sure to check out our Facebook page by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. 
Next week, we'll hear the rest of the story of the Philippian jailer and how God took him from near suicide to salvation in a very short period of time. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind as you look for open hearts and open doors this week. I won't go back again, that's just not who I am. Lord, I'm a brand new man, I'm going free. I'm on a narrow road, it's paved with grace and hope it's gonna lead me home. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. HarvestGranger.org. Oh,